Adopted into Allyship, a podcast about loving others well and fighting for connection. I'm Jamie K. Corbin, and this is episode eight. Who does allyship benefit? Hey, friendly reminder, this is intended to be a safe place to learn, but I do talk about hard things here, because when you've been adopted into allyship, you don't shy away from conflict or pain. Healing and growth aren't compatible with avoidance or apathy. You can expect both an uncomfortable amount of honesty and vulnerability, as well as an abundance of grace, as we work toward becoming better allies together. In this episode, we're going to examine a common belief that allyship benefits a specific group of people. Is it true? If not, who does allyship really benefit? And why does it matter to us as allies? We're going to dive into all of those questions in today's episode. Let's go. Listen, here at Casa Corbin, we are all about the celebrations. I love nothing more than a reason to gather my people, feed them, and spend quality time together. And it doesn't even have to be a holiday. Our enthusiasm for celebrating got us into a bit of a parenting challenge last year when we discovered our kids had Christmas-level expectations for St. Patrick's Day the night before St. Patrick's Day. Parenting is always such an adventure, isn't it? We did our best to let them down gently and found ourselves explaining the difference between what we now call major and minor holidays. So this year, when we told our eight, six, and three-year-olds that our family would have an extra day together because their dad didn't have to work for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, they had these questions for us. Was Martin Luther King Jr. Day a major or minor holiday? That one came from the middle child whose love language is gifts. How do we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day? That was from our oldest who's always looking for a reason to bake and decorate a cake. And who was Martin Luther King Jr. anyway? This from our youngest, bless her sweet little heart. First, we gave the older two girls the answers they were looking for. No, there wouldn't be any presents exchanged on this holiday, but that didn't make it a minor holiday. And, while we typically march or serve our community to honor the legacy of Dr. King, that didn't mean baking a treat to share with the family was off the table. Then we moved to the important question of our youngest daughter. Who was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and why did Dad get an entire day off work to celebrate him? I did what any professional educator would do, and checked for understanding before launching into a lecture. I asked our other two girls if they remembered who Martin Luther King Jr. was. Of course, we've told them many times, but they're young, right? On any given day, at least half of their lives take place in a make-believe world, so there is no gauging the depth of their knowledge when it comes to real-life historical figures. And this is how I found out a well-intending grown-up had talked to my girls about Martin Luther King Jr., And their takeaway from that conversation was that he did great things for black people. Sounds harmless, right? I mean, it's not wrong. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. sure did do great things for black people. The man was a fierce and brilliant leader of the civil rights movement in the 1960s. He was able to use his God-given gift of words to lead others into nonviolent protests, pushing for social progress in a way that rivaled the founding fathers' pursuits for their own freedom, and in a way we haven't seen since. It's why he was assassinated. But as I took the time to explain to my girls, that is only a partial truth. And its narrow narrative can be a common and dangerous misstep in the thinking of allies, especially white allies. 
as allies, we have a lot to learn. And as I have mentioned many times before, we have a lot to unlearn. The subject of Martin Luther King Jr. and how the national holiday has impacted the memory of his legacy, basically stripping his ministry of its original racial justice essence and packaging it into a more palatable, colorblind message, is vast enough to warrant an entire collection of books, and I am certainly not the woman to write them. I will, however, include a few links worthy of your time in the show notes and encourage you to pursue some independent study. The hard and sad truth is most of us didn't get much of an education about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or the civil rights movement, or how both impacted the trajectory of our country's experiment with democracy. Some folks lived through it, and even they don't have a good grasp on it. Unfortunately, our miseducation only strengthens the continuous opposition against many victories from that time. Voting rights are under attack, and a lot could be said about labor rights as well. We need to be better allies today because our country has failed to follow through on the progress made during the time of the great Dr. King. In 2022, we honor Martin Luther King Jr. as if he were a national hero, not a hated man targeted by the FBI, assassinated by the public's opinion long before he was killed. He was and is a hero, but I don't believe our celebrations of him today the ones that reduce him to a social media quote and proclaim the false narrative that he ended racism in the 1960s, leading us into an era of moral colorblindness, allow his true heroism to be acknowledged or appreciated. He is a hero because he was hated for championing racial and economic justice, but he did it anyway. He sacrificed his individual life for the greater good, the good of the country as a whole, and its future generations. We've done spiritual and political gymnastics to manipulate a man of faith who was accused of being a radical rebel because he refused to submit to the unjust rules of the self-seeking powerful into a mascot for maintaining the status quo in a way that silences further conversations about racial justice because to talk about anything having to do with race means to notice the color of someone's skin, which feels like a racist thing to do. But coercing the public to believe Martin Luther King Jr. was a martyr for the cause of colorblindness is an absurd effort that serves to distract from the important work he did, calling out systemic racism and economic oppression, even though he faced evil's opposition every step of the way. Systemic racism and economic oppression, those are still things today, by the way. Allies have to resist the temptation to accept this fairy tale version of history with an assumed happily ever after and instead recognize Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy as a literal act of self-sacrificial love for the sake of all of our greater good. He paid with his life to courageously carry the light of Jesus into the darkest parts of our country's history, exposing the ugliness of those in power who mock the Imago Dei and demanding liberty and justice for all living in one nation under God. Allies must choose to recognize this rather than the more popular lie-filled legacy because it's only when we remember accurately that we are able to see how he did great things for all of us. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed for creating an opportunity for the United States of America to right the many wrongs it was founded upon, the wrongs that imprisoned not just the slaves of days past and their descendants, but also the rest of its citizenry, who would wrestle with the cutting consequences of its sinful hypocrisy for generations to come. He died for reconciliation efforts that we are still fighting for today. 
It's also important for allies to remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was only one of the heroic historical figures connected to a greater movement. I'm not minimizing his contributions, but when we as a society isolate this portion of history down to one man, we oversimplify the bigger picture. The civil rights movement was a people's movement exposing injustice, the leaders and systems that allowed it to take place, and proved the power of working as a community, largely a faith community, to fight against evil. The civil rights movement gave our entire country the opportunity to live deeper into democracy. It gave all of us an opportunity to think outside the lines of oppressive, exploitative systems and consider what our country could look like if we treated our neighbors like holy siblings, if we acted like we believed what we pledged allegiance to, and acknowledged that our country's sovereignty was under the headship of God the Father, whose love shows no favoritism, rather than build up our own kingdom behind the walls of self-seeking power. And to deny, forget, or overlook the ways the civil rights movement served us all is to sell short the importance and impact of our allyship efforts today. I don't fault the individual who gave my girls such a simple definition of Dr. King's legacy, partially because I wasn't there to see the entire context of the conversation, and also because there is grace for situations when one does not know what they don't know, but it was certainly one of those let's discuss this further moments that come up when your family is serious about raising up allies. I need my girls and those around them, no matter the color of their skin or the number of candles on their birthday cake, to understand that allyship is not a one-way street. Ending racial injustice is not something that only benefits them as Afro-Latinas, but rather benefits our entire community because we are all beloved and we all belong to one another. King's prophetic words written in his 1963 letter from Birmingham jail shine an insightful light on this interconnected dynamic. He stated, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. This should be one of our primary motivations to become better allies. We are fighting for liberty and justice for all of us, because whether we want to be or not, we are connected to one another, and the negative impact of oppression and injustice does affect us all. Carrying around the mindset of Martin Luther King Jr. did great things for black people can hurt the cause of fighting against racism, as it creates an environment where othering can occur. Othering is simply dividing our community into us and them or other. Thinking this way can cause allies to fail to connect with the severity of the problem because it doesn't directly involve them, but others. It can cause allies to fail to connect with the need to fully invest themselves in dismantling racist systems because they don't recognize the mutual benefits of ending oppression for all, believing that others benefit more. It can cause allies to fail to connect with the importance of persevering when their allyship starts to cost them something, because they don't see themselves as gaining anything in return, only sacrificing for the benefit of others. A closer look at Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement shows us the work was about more than doing great things for black people. He was a prophet that recognized the evil of economic oppression achieved through racist systems, and he fought for everyone's freedom from that evil. My personal belief was that it was his recognition of the power of inclusion, 
the expansion of community to include economically oppressed people of all different backgrounds that was the final straw for those who had him assassinated. Shifting our allyship mindset to Martin Luther King Jr. did great things for black people, which were also great things for us because we are all connected, acknowledges our connectedness, eliminates our tendency to engage in othering, and better equips us to fight against racism. Acknowledging our connectedness helps us stay alert in identifying racism and prompts us to actively dismantle it. Acknowledging our connectedness helps us recognize that we can be an important part of the solution by investing our time, energy, and resources generously for our shared common good. Acknowledging our connectedness helps us understand that our allyship is a manifestation of holy, self-sacrificial love, which, yes, always costs something, but also always wins. Allyship is love in action. Much like the civil rights movement gave our country an opportunity to live more fully into democracy, our allyship gives us the opportunity to fight for a better version of our witness and our world. We can live into the legacy of freedom and justice for all if we can embrace the idea that our liberty and justice are connected to that of others, and that none of us will be free as long as one of us is oppressed. How do we do this when we live in a time and place designed to make us focus on ourselves and our own family's freedoms? I'm so glad you asked. We do it by following the lead of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. himself and living into the power of community. We expand our definition of family. Here's why. We are closer to our family and those we consider our family than we are to the rest of the world. And this proximity brings a sense of connection, compassion, and ups the amount of care we give to certain situations. Consider your family for a moment. And remember, this is a judgment-free zone, so be totally honest and also have grace for yourself and others here. Do you have someone that might drive you up the wall when it comes to inter-family dynamics, but who you would become fiercely protective of should someone outside your family throw some shade their way? Yeah, me too. We care about these people, even the ones we disagree with or struggle to understand or even get along with because they are family. We love them and want to protect them. For those of us who are Christians, this practice should be relatively easy since we've all been adopted into the family of God and we are already siblings. We just have to ask ourselves, are we acting like it? If we're not, why? In case any of us could use some inspirational ideas for this spiritual practice, here are three ways to expand our definition of family. Embrace the wisdom of adoptees who know that family is a flexible concept and then choose to do your best to include everyone. Or at the very least, apply a family lens when you're considering a situation and ask how you might feel differently about things if they directly impacted someone in your family. Do a quick family pride check. Contrary to everyone's social media highlight reels, there is no such thing as a perfect family. There is no such thing as a pure blood family that is more deserving of power, freedom, or justice than others. Research the bloodline of Jesus if you need further proof of this. Don't let a sense of family pride create an us and them dynamic. Pay close attention to when you witness yourself or those around you practicing othering and then point it out and put an end to it. Again, othering is the practice of viewing and treating a person or group of people as intrinsically different from yourself, usually in a way that establishes a hierarchy of value. 
Othering has no place in allyship. One last thing before we wrap up. It's important to acknowledge that before expanding our definition of family, some of us might need to let go of the hurt we have experienced from people in our earthly families. But please, don't try to do this alone. Find someone who can help you process in a healthy way. I'll include a couple of resources in the show notes. Father God, your love always wins, and you love all of us equally. Jesus, thank you for paying the cost of that kind of love. Thank you for the work on the cross, which enables us to be adopted into this holy family. Lord, let me confess. It's amazing how little we care about something until it directly impacts us or someone we love. It's so easy to be dismissive of others' pain. We don't even really have to try. But we are products of a broken world, and even the best of us are self-centered, sinful creatures who need the right motivation to move toward holier life choices. We need you to work on humbling and softening our hearts. We need you to move us to be more sensitive and care more deeply. Would you help us to see one another as siblings? Would you help us to see you not only in the reflections of our own words and actions, but also in the faces of others? Would you lead us to recognize that your love for us is what connects us to one another? Oh God, would you help us relinquish the pursuit of our own power and comfort and freedom and pick up the mantle of self-sacrificial love for the good of the communal whole and for your glory, God. Help us to remember that you work through imperfect humans and that our imperfections do not exempt us from getting our hands dirty when it comes to the work of rooting out evil and injustice from our communities. In our brother Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Adopted into Allyship, produced by Day 3 Studios. It's an honor to be your ally as you push yourself to listen, learn, and love in a way that helps you become an equipped, reliable, and action-oriented ally. If you found this episode helpful or encouraging, I would be so grateful if you would take a minute and rate the podcast, leave a review, and share it with other allies who could benefit from joining us as we work toward loving one another well and fighting for connection. I will be back with more next Thursday, but until then, I would love to connect with you on social media. I usually hang out on Instagram, but you can find me on most platforms at Jamie K. Corbin. And of course, I share more thoughts on the topic of allyship, including a free guide to listening and a monthly newsletter about helping your kids become allies on the website jamiekcorbin.com.